It's Coalfield and Company. Thank God it's... Moving into the 3 o'clock hour, it's Cofield and Company on the road, Samstown, on Boulder Highway, legendary spot here on the east side. John Von Tobel is here with us. Good hour one in the books. If you missed any of it, check it out on the podcast right after the show at lvsportsnetwork.com. We were just talking to Alex Dono, who covers the Miami scene for onsideradio.com. Miami coming out of the gates, and we've been talking to all the – Someone who covers all the teams that are uh, coming into town. We've got nine home games here in Vegas this year. So, Dolphins come in week three. Dolphins start off Pats, Bills, Raiders, Colts, Buccaneers. Good luck. It's pretty tough. Like, as Alex mentioned, Tua knows that he needs to get up to the next level. And, you know, in a way, I'm not saying Derek Carr is Tua. He's a lot better than Tua. He's better. <laughs> but the storyline last year of, hey, the Raiders got rugs. As it turned out, the Raiders really got Aguilar, right? The Raiders got guys who could stretch the field because they almost wanted to force Derek Carr to get out of that shell of throwing underneath. And he did push it down the field a lot more last year. I don't know that Tua is going to do that. Where are you on Tua? Can he do it? That's the that's, other part. That's the other one. <laughs> I think he's got the arm. Uh, you know, looking back, I forgot what story I was reading. Just his Alabama career was really interesting because what he did with Miami last year was essentially what he did at Alabama. Now, we saw some great highlight passes where he threw it down the field, obviously. You know, he got a national championship out of uh, a massive play. But most of what they did at Alabama was underneath stuff. So he's been kind of trained, at least on the collegiate level, to, you know, be safe, not sorry. And, can he push it down the field? We're going to find out because they got the weapons. I mean, they got Waddle now. They brought in Fuller. So it's going to get ugly there through three or four weeks if he's not – his average uh, airtime doesn't go up. Right. Look, I am – so I am always adamant I will never give up on any sort of player after, like, one year, right, especially the position of quarterback, which takes a lot to play. So I'm not out on him by any means. But does that mean I liked any of what I saw from him last year? You know, not at all. And it's not even like – it, like we can talk about yards per attempt or air yards on attempts, like all of those kind of things. But like when you watched with your eyes, like no zip on the ball, ducks, ugly throws, like nothing behind it that had like pop. And that's kind of the worrisome part about it. You know what I mean? Like it's not even – I just felt like there was really nothing. Like the two that I watched at Alabama, there was so much more there with his throwing arm yeah. than what you saw when he was playing for Miami. So maybe it's just a rough rookie year, right? Maybe he just wasn't comfortable. Maybe it was the hip. Maybe, Maybe it was, it was the health. Hit. I mean, right. it's not that's not crazy to think. A lot of people thought he was going to redshirt the whole year. Right. So I, I, um, I was, I was not happy with what I saw overall. Like I did, if I am a Dolphins fan or if I am running the Dolphins franchise, I'm not feeling great about where we are with what our quarterback position at this point is right now. It's time for the three presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at eight seven 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 hundred Nova. So a bunch of great storylines going into the Golden Knights game tonight. It's game seven. Didn't think this was going to happen. Yeah, I, uh, we were joking yesterday. On Monday, we're doing the show over at uh, another great Boyd Gaming property. Is we're at Samstown Boyd Gaming, the official home for the LV Sports Network and Lotus Broadcasting during the VGK playoffs. We were over at the Orleans inside Bailiwick, and our 5.30 guest was an Avs guest. 
We're like, let's look, look, let's look forward to the next series. And we both said it. We're like, well, could this be a problem? Adam Hill was looking at flights to Colorado. Oh. He was planning on being in Colorado this weekend, uh, double duty, you know, cover the game, also visit some family. Now we're in a game seven. And a big part of the problem is, all right, Flurry didn't stand on his head as he did many times in the first four games. So he wasn't awesome. He was solid. The offense just got shut down. And what the Wild do, they did really well and bogged everything down. Now, notes from this morning, there was no more trolling. It wasn't, you know, Leonard and Flurry hand in hand, you know, uh, you know, Flurry on the on the shoulders of Leonard as they went off the ice to confuse people, right? Like, Leonard might get the start. Uh, it's going to be Flurry tonight. But now the other question is, and we'll look for an update on this. I haven't seen anything yet. Will Ryan Reese play? Because if you're playing a very physical game against the Wild, and we've seen the Wild take advantage of Reese being out in the past. Mm-hmm. Like at the end of the regular season, the Wild were attempting to just brutalize the Knights. And there's something about having Reeves around that backs other teams off. But here's the problem with Ryan Reeves and McNabb and Krebs. COVID protocol at the worst time. Technically, they're sidelined. And then this this is an insane note. And I'm telling you, if it turns out to be the case again that there are false positives and the Golden Knights were shorthanded for two games yep. or whatever, you know, one for multiple games, others for a game, this is such a black eye for the NHL. And we still don't know. And actually, DeBoer talked about it this morning. Hey, we're hoping it comes back. So, from 49 minutes ago, I'm seeing on social media, Ryan Reeves no longer included on the NHL list of COVID-related right. protocol-related absences. He's available for Game 7. He was also on the ice this morning, too, so that uh, is a positive. Braden McNabb is the only player that remains on the list at this point right now. So, that's okay. a positive. So, what the hell happened? That doesn't – that doesn't – what – Right. Is it confirmed that it was a false positive? I haven't seen anything like that. All I know is that he's been removed, according to multiple reports, from the NHL's COVID list. It had to be, right? Yeah. Have they changed the rules where you can go on you can go on a COVID list for two days? I don't think they have. Right? I mean, once you're on it, is it exposure or did he test positive? I would think it's one of the two. Do you think the Knights could have won game six? Would that have helped if Ryan Reeves was out there? Could that have changed the tone of the game? I mean, it could have changed the tone of the game, but here's my problem with the Knights, right? And what I, I, I believe, like, Reeves is, is awesome in terms of the physicality that he provides. But, like, I was talking about this with my buddy Andy McNeil. He does, he's our NHL analyst over in VEASAN. If you look at, like, the heat map and, like, where this team is taking their shots from and what they're doing offensively, it's a lot of what we saw in the Vancouver series from last year. It's a lot. It's some of what we saw in the, the Chicago series last year, right? A lot of these shots from distance, these perimeter shots, a lot of these from the blue line, things like that, like, those shots, while you can pepper your opponent with those shots because they're from distance, they're not exactly high-danger chances. And those aren't really going to right? They don't have the probability of getting in there, getting bodies in front. You know, like the goal that uh, Fleury gave up the other night where he has a Minnesota Wild player standing in front of him and he can't see where the puck is going. Like, you don't see that very often, right, from Vegas. And, like, those are the kind of things that you need to start doing a little bit more. So while Reeves is massively important, I just think the issues that you've seen offensively are more about shot selection and the way they've been going about it as opposed to, man, we're getting beat up by Minnesota, you know? Yep. The biggest story of this series or one of the biggest stories of this series has been which team has been allowed to or has camped in front of the net. Right. Right? That you, you know, either you're, you're doing your job on the offensive end and you're running interference, and on the other end you make sure that that doesn't happen to you. And the Knights have had too many moments where they've been dominated in that aspect. I'm trying to show – I'm going to pull up this uh, – I don't know if you saw the heat map that I'm talking about, but, like, look at this. 
This is the Vegas Golden Knights heat map. Look at where all the shots are coming from. Look at that solid line across the blue line. Oh, my gosh. Like, that's literally, like, it's what they're doing. And every, remember the, every shot is a freaking bomb. Right. And remember the Vancouver series where we were watching them, and they would get, like, 40 shots on net. But if you actually watched, it would just be from the blue line. It would just be straight into the, into the chest of the goaltender. Like, those aren't the shots that are going to win you those games. And, what, like, we could talk about the goaltender interference and how tough that was to get that called off, all of that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, I likened them because, you know, I don't know anything about any other sport. I likened them to a jump shooting team with no rim presence. You know what I mean? Like, at some point, you've got to be able to get within four feet of the basket and get the easy bucket when the shots aren't falling. And they haven't up to this point, especially when this offense goes cold through this stretch that they blew this 3-1 lead. So, speaking of not being available for a game, what exactly is going on with Shohei Otani? <laughs> so, I saw by, so, I saw our notes. The whole issue was from yesterday's start. Otani is scheduled to start today, you know, if he gets to the freaking park on time, uh, which also, I don't know why, but the Angels apparently are staying in, like, San Francisco and then going into Oakland, which I guess <laughs> that's what you feel about Oakland, huh? Uh, but regardless, for those who don't know, Otani yesterday was scheduled to start, and he was on his way to the park for his regular, you know, schedule, regularly scheduled pitching routine, but he can't because there's an accident. So he's got to go back to the hotel and take the BART, the Bay Area something transit, whatever. I don't know what the R stands for. Uh, but regardless. Probably regional. Uh, okay, Bay I Area think. regional transport. Um, but the BART, regardless, he's got to go back to the hotel, get on the BART, and then go in, which throws him off his routine so he can't pitch. But what makes this, I think, fascinating is I don't know if you remember his last start. His last start against Cleveland, his velocity was down like five miles an hour. By the way, rapid. Oh, rapid. Bay Area rapid. So I did transit. get it. I said okay, it all cocky. Regional. Rapid. Region, yeah. Bay Area rapid transit. But it, Apparently it, not rapid. Not, not <laughs> rapid when it counted for the right. most. Well, God, he's so majestic. Most of the Angels. The road, the, well, the roads are a disaster. It, they are. It is the, it is the, and I'm guessing that most Major League Baseball teams do stay in San Fran. I mean, he's, he's such a magnificent creature. I feel like he could have sprinted with his majestic legs all the way to the park and not been could too he, tired. Could, yeah, couldn't he have just run down the middle lane holding the bus right. above his head? With his massive delts. You love him. <laughs> he, I, I do. Like, he's incredible. I, he I, I'm not going to find him. He doesn't hesitate. He's like, I do. I do. Like, yeah, if you've seen him play, like, he's incredible. But, no, but that does make it fascinating because for those who haven't, didn't see his last start against Cleveland, his, like, his velocity was down like five miles an hour. Like, everybody thought he was hurt, and yet he still labored through that start. And so now this is massively important because you want to see, is he going to throw 97, 98, 99 again, or is he down to, like, 92 on the fastball, because if he is again, like what ha what is happening with him is like an incredible story now. But I, I really hope he makes it on time because I really want to watch him pitch tonight. You're still fighting the fight, even with Trout down for another like seven weeks. What's the fight that I care about this team? Yes. No, they're awful. I hate them. <laughs> like Rendon's bad, and I think he's like had like two sixteen. The bu the bullpen sucks. Like Sandoval yesterday, he gets the start. Like how about that? Pablo Sandoval gets the start right. He goes in there. He actually pitches five innings, solid ball. Bullpen comes in, implodes. I think it was Cleggers again who comes in and just it just throws up all over the place. It's just a nightmare. It's so disappointing. How intense do you think the rivalry will be between Las Vegas and Anaheim like four years from now? I mean, it's regional. I guess it's got to be pretty strong, I would I would assume. Big market Vegas against small market Anaheim. Division rival. Right, yeah. High-dollar payroll right. against <laughs> the poor angels who never have money. They better. They have a good attendance. They have great attendance. They have some of the best attendance in Major League Baseball. Angels? Yeah. 
They actually do. It is one. It is one of the more boring parks though I've ever been to. Oh, last time me. we were there, we were like, "This, this blows, man." Well, I, I and Did you this get the nacho helmet. Like, well, this was about three years ago. Well, one, I'm cheap, so I was turned off by the prices. I think we got like multiple micheladas, and they were like nineteen dollars a piece, yeah. and like some of the worst I've ever had in my life. They sucked. Whoa. Um, and then the park. You know what it was? I think I had been to a, a Golden Knights game shortly before that, and it's just like boom, 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 boom. Features and you know just yeah. music. And then you go to the freaking Angels Park, and it's so quiet, well, I'm also, so boring. But that, you know, in a lot of ways, that's baseball, too. Well, I'm also – I haven't been to many parks, so I don't know exactly how it works. But the stupid ramps, you're like <sighs> – like walking up the massive ramps to get all the way up to the top level because I'm cheap, and that's where I buy the seats. Yeah, so that, like, that, that could have been a problem, too. Good God. <laughs> yeah, we actually bought decent <laughs> seats, and I think we left by the 7th. And yeah. it was a Yankee game, too. I'm like, hey, this sucks. Yeah. We're so bored. Well, see, the last time we went, I got to see my guy, Shohei. Actually, had an incredible play at the plate. It was absolutely fascinating. But, yeah, it is kind of a boring park. There's really not many amenities there. Let's, on the way back, let's talk about some of the entertainment possibilities, how loud a Vegas park will be if there is a Vegas baseball park for Major League Baseball. We have a great stadium now with our AAA squad. But uh, we'll get into the possibilities of the A's moving here. We'll get the inside dope of what the visit or how it went. Uh, with the A's brass in town, as we'll talk to a national baseball scribe, Scott Miller. Nova Home Loans brings you the three. It's a refi raid at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. Now, back to Cofield and Company. Terry, 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 Get a handle. Come on, let's go. Then you talk to me I about it. Then. You, okay. you gotta give us a shot. You know what? You gotta give Harry, us a shot. Okay, listen to me. Let me hear what I'm saying, okay? You get your shot. You had your shot right there. In the situation. Well, why you not? know the situation, I Terry. Know, why okay. don't you get a shot, Tommy? Because that doesn't that makes well, it worse. Terry, that makes it worse. How am I doing? That is awesome. That sounds like audio we've pulled from classic boxing matches. You gotta give me a shot. It's like a referee is waving off. The match, or he's you know he's giving him the standing eight count. That was Harry Collins five years ago, just absolutely flipping out. Syndergaard had thrown a, uh, and he was you know the manager of the Mets. He had uh, Syndergaard had thrown a pitch behind a batter's back, and El Tosso and Collins just flipped out. It's still no, and actually a tie to uh, Noah Syndergaard very distantly. Uh, did Wally Backman manage Noah Syndergaard was he the fifty ones? Because the Backman rant where oh, he throws oh. the bats all over the field is uh, pretty good. That was actually independent ball in Georgia. You and, picked that bleep up, and and, <laughs> and the language was unbelievable. But uh, the Collins example does show you uh, it's it's a good example of what the working relationship has on the field, and then payback and managing that and the position because the ump kept saying like, hey, you know, where you know. We're in the soup here. I forget how he kept putting it, but, like, we have something to manage here, too. Scott Miller's covered baseball for a long time. He joins Cofield and company. Want to get into the, the A's visiting uh, Vegas here in just a couple minutes. But, Scott, that was a, that's a classic, and uh, there are so many of those throughout baseball history with the, you know, the umpire trying to manage a situation with a, a you know, manager just flipping out in his face. Yeah, hey, guys. Nice to be with you, Steve and John. Um, yeah, that, that's a classic. You played it. I'm sure you guys have probably heard, but my all-time favorite, if you YouTube it, Earl Weaver, and I, it was either Ron Luciano or the umpire might have been Bill Haller, but it's back when Earl Weaver was managing the Orioles. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but do yourselves a favor if you haven't, and YouTube that. That goes on for about two minutes, and yeah. Earl just keeps arguing, and it's just fantastic. And, yeah, Earl, yeah, Earl, yeah. Earl could do it. He could do it. He could, he could get a little <laughs> volatile. Um, real briefly, while we're on the subject of the Mets, 
Mets are doing okay, but, man, just the, the bad news keeps coming with the injuries. So what do we think is happening here with Syndergaard? Yeah, I, I tell you, I mean, I for all the talent this guy has and all the hopes that have been attached to him for so many years now, um, you know, now here we go again. You know, he was going to come back in early June, and we're almost there, and all of a sudden it's going to be a while longer again. And I, I, I don't, I mean, I don't want to, you know, be Debbie Downer here, but you reach a point with a bulked-up, muscled-up guy like him where I think you reach you reach that point where you're like, it, when is the time to just write him off and just say this is who he is? He's never going to be able to stay healthy, and he's the Mets. He's his best day of his career. Days of his career are well in the rearview mirror. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that, but I think we've reached the point where everybody, including the Mets and Syndergaard himself, have to look at that as a very realistic possibility. Is there a lesson here, too, that when a guy's off injured, uh, like Syndergaard, and listen, I'm not a doctor, so I, this is ridiculous, yep. but when guys are hurt that much, if you get uh, the Tommy John surgery, maybe the timeline isn't 14 months. Maybe it does need to be two complete seasons or whatever, you know, 18 months, 24 months, uh, and usually it's 18, but maybe it needs to be like two full seasons. Well, yeah, it, it, and I, I'll say this. Tommy John surgery now is is – common in baseball clubhouses mm-hmm. as, you know, sanitary socks and bubble gum. I mean, <laughs> they, whatever's going on right now, I, baseball's not doing it right. Um, the game today is all about power. You know, if you're a hitter, obviously, you know, the, 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 every organization wants you to hit over the shift. and Whether you're the first hitter or ninth hitter, they want you to basically hit the ball on the fence over the shift. And if you're a pitcher, you know, it's all about every team gets as many guys as they can who throw as hard as they can. It's just power, power, power. And it's, it's just, it's, it's wrong. I mean, I don't know how much evidence we need to get to the point where baseball needs to take a hard understands it needs to take a hard look at itself in the mirror and say what are we doing we're just blowing all these kids out and you know i mean i don't want to sound like an old guy here and i know i started with earl weaver yeah. <laughs> but you used to hear starting pitching especially you used to hear that phrase of the game add and subtract add and subtract and that fed into pitching you know in other words you know i might be able to throw 93 but in the first inning, maybe I'm, my, I'm averaging my fastball at 90 miles an hour. And then in a key moment, I add. I hump it up to 92 or 93. And then maybe you know a few batters later, I back that fastball off to 88 or 89. Add and subtract. And it was all about pitching and timing. And now it's not. It's just throw as hard as you can. And, and you see these kids come up like Syndergaard, and it's just, you know, even if they've never been hurt before, you know, sadly, it's just a matter of time until somebody this guy blows out. Yeah, the arm's going to run out. Uh, Scott Miller's with us, National Baseball Scribe. You can hear him uh, contributing to SiriusXM. Uh, let's get into what the A's were doing the last couple of days in Las Vegas. Just, I want your general impressions and what you've heard. Yeah, um, you know, obviously Vegas is growing. Obviously, you know, with 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 the Raiders moving there, and with sports gambling opening up in various states. You know, I mean, as you guys know, it used to be. 
leagues were afraid to come to Las Vegas because gambling was, you know, taboo and everybody knew it happened in Vegas, but they didn't want to put a sports team right in the backyard. Well, that's all changed. I think it's a very realistic possibility. I mean, you know, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but how long can Oakland go without being able to get a new stadium? I mean, you know, that Oakland and Tampa Bay, it's been a broken record in both places for about 15 years now. Um, you know, they need a new stadium. Attendance stinks. The stadium doesn't work. Uh, it, they're old. They're decrepit. They're bad stadiums. And part of the reason is, of course, money. It's all about money now. And and at Oakland Coliseum and beyond, you know, there, there are enough luxury suites and, and revenue-making parts of the stadium, let alone that it's just falling apart. You know, the sewage system seems to back up about every other summer. Um, so I think they're in overtime here. And if I'm Major League Baseball, I think it's very interesting that they gave Oakland permission to basically say, start threatening to move. And I wouldn't take that lightly. And if Oakland doesn't get his act together on a stadium front, I think, um, you know, I think, you know, I, I throw Las Vegas in there with, you know, I think baseball would eventually like to go back to Montreal. Um, I think it could work there if they do it right. And everybody loves Montreal. Um, Portland's been talked about for a long time. Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, I think Vegas is right there with that group in, in terms of realistic possibility. Scott, when you look at this, though, like I always get kind of ugh, when I hear talks about moving and things like that. You know, we went through all these SNIDIC meetings we were when we were talking about the planning of the stadium for the Las Vegas Raiders. You know, it seems dependent yep. on the city and us providing some sort of uh, financial like partnership with them. Why can't yep. the team just do this themselves? <laughs> well, I'm sorry, we're saying why can't the teams, you mean in terms of build the uh, Right, why can't, yeah, the a, why can't the A's fund the whole thing? Right. <laughs> like, what's yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I'm, I agree with you on that. The, the quick answer is they, they can't fund it themselves. Because all these team owners are such good businessmen for a reason, and they know how to run their business, and part of that is figuring out how to get the best sweetheart deals from wherever they can get it. That's part of it. And the other reason is, you know, why would Oakland expect Las Vegas to pay for most of the stadium or whatever? So far, at least, and the key words being so far, because they because they can because every other place cities are quick to help pay for the stadium you yeah. know and so uh, you know, hey Scott I will break in though and this is something that people I don't think have tracked uh, between yep. the Raiders and the Golden Knights so we put up 750 million dollars for the Raider Stadium the Golden Knights Arena uh, the Fortress T-Mobile Arena was privately funded so that was to the tune of like 350 million dollars so we've had we've seen both yep that's good yeah and I think I mean especially you know. As we've all come through the pandemic and what's gone on in this country the past couple of years, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of broken parts of this country, right? I mean, the homeless problem's out of control um, in many places. And, and, you know, I mean, you know, people, the poverty level, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and the only reason I bring all that up is, you know, each community has to decide, you know, what are our priorities and where should they be? And is it right to, you know, give some billionaire sports owner all these you know, millions of dollars when maybe it should be invested in that city's infrastructure instead. And that's a whole philosophical debate, uh, you know, that is going to go on and on and on. But 
that you know that said, I mean, it's interesting that it, what you just said about the, the hockey team. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Knights, you know, came up with private funds, and I, I think you know, kudos for that to them. And I think maybe more and more in the future, that's the way it, it's going to have to go, or at least the way maybe it should go. And I actually think Bill Foley, the the owner of the Knights, is one of the biggest threats to uh, you know partner up with the AIDS, which I'm not sure if that'll make the Raiders real happy, especially if it's right down the road. Uh, near the Las Vegas Strip, which is a whole other story to cover if the Raiders are going to kind of behind-the-scenes battle this thing with the A's. But from a Major League Baseball standpoint, what do you think Major League Baseball wants for the A's? Are they super keen on just saying, you know what, screw it, Oakland hasn't stepped up, let's move them? Or is baseball really going to step in here and try to smooth things over and make sure they stay in a top-ten market area? I think baseball as it's currently structured and as it currently operates, I think baseball is going to figure Oakland's had its chance to keep the A's, and they're going to look for where can they make the most money. Um, I I think it's going to be purely mercenary. I don't think there's going to be nostalgia like, oh, gee, we've had a team in Oakland, you know, since 1969 or 70 when they moved from Kansas City. Um, I, I think you know, it's all about making money now. It's all about the, how much can we make. And also, by the way, I mentioned the pandemic a little while ago. As we know, every team, like so many general citizens in the private sector, every team has taken a bath in the pandemic. They, they, you know, there's been millions of dollars lost, et cetera, et cetera. Now, you can argue in debate, you know, the owners say they've lost X number of millions of dollars or billion. And the players don't believe they lost that much, but clearly they lost something. So where we're at now, too, I think is a scramble to recoup some of the lost money during the pandemic. And I don't see how that baseball's concerned. Scott Miller with us. All right, Scott. So... I am. Uh, I'm 30 years old. I have a kid. He's two and a half. And uh, since he has come into this world, <laughs> uh, I have become a giant softy. Pampers commercials give me that you know the little lump in your throat that you have to swallow down yeah. every once in a while. And yesterday, fatherhood will do that, baby. <laughs> it will. Uh, the second one's on the way, though. I'm not as excited. Uh, but regardless, <laughs> Alex Manoa yesterday uh, he has a uh, solid debut. And the thing that stuck out to me, not so much the pitching. It was the fact that his mother was in the stands crying. I mean, how can we not love this? Who cares about the 90-mile-an-hour changeup? The, the moment with the mom in the stands, it was just heart, it was heartwarming. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it, yes. Yes, a million times yes. And, you know, you, you, you just cut close to my core from the standpoint, look, baseball, statistics are important. We've got 150 years' worth of stats stored up at BaseballReference.com and at different record books. And we all love statistics, and I do too. Um, that said, statistics have become, I mean, it's just exploded in the last decade with stat cast and things like that via analytics. And I think there's a time and a place for that stuff. But I'm, I still, for me, it's more about the human part of the game, the humanity, the soul of the game. I'll take that any day over oh, that home run was hit at 120 miles an hour. Okay, it was a home run. I get it. It went over the fence. I don't really care how hard it was hit. I know it went over the fence. I can see it's a three-run homer. Right. I'll take the mother crying in the stands 
I'll take the kid who makes his dream, who's dreamed of playing in the major since he was five and has made it happen. Uh, I'll take the funny stuff, you know, somebody uh, playing a prank on somebody. I'll take all that human stuff any day over over most statistics. Scott, that was awesome. We're all crying a little bit here. Got misty eyed. That was good. That was good. <laughs> right. We we really appreciate your time. You have a great weekend. Okay. And uh, we'll be like you. I'll be watching closely where those Oakland A's go, if anywhere. Yeah, yeah we're uh, we're all over it because uh, we got the other side of it. You know, where's, yeah. the, where's the stadium going to go? All that good stuff. So, thanks a lot, Scott. All right, take care, guys. There he is, Scott Miller, national bas- uh, baseball writer. Uh, also does some work on Sirius XM. Uh, we're going to continue on the story. You know, we're we're trying to you know get as much facts, finding stuff out there for you guys in the audience, and we want to find out more and more and more. You know, Sacramento's right up the road from the Bay Area, and there's a ton of A's fans there. So we're going to check in a little later in the hour with the excellent sports talk host Carmichael Dave and ask if Sacramento's making a pitch to get the A's and also what he thinks of Vegas potentially getting a Major League Baseball team. Have something to say? Tweet at Steve Goldfield or call 702-364-1100 now. We got to try to, you know, limit their free throw attempts. You know, they're shooting a lot of free throws last game, tonight. I mean, if I was a betting man, 11, 11 games in a row. 11 games in a row. We'll, we'll see what happens. Now, back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Boy, if that was like seven years ago, David Stern, that would have been like the, a suspension for the rest of the playoffs. Subtle reference to gambling and Scott Foster. And we'll get into that. CP3 is like, I lose every time this guy's reffing against us. And Scott Foster, and we know that Foster was tied to the big scandal in very loosely, but with Donaghy. So some NBA. I saw you starting to flip out over this, and I I know where you're coming from on this. We got Knicks and Atlanta down in Atlanta. The MSG crowd was fun. It was loud. Then it became embarrassing. Then someone spitting on Trey Young. Yep. So out of control, um, but it's it's the stuff around the Knicks, and I understand they haven't made the playoffs, right? I get it, but it's the constant. There's nowhere better than this for the playoffs, the mecca. But then you see the desperation and the buffoonery, like they win a game in a series where they're the four seed. Right. They actually had home court stolen from them, and they're outside celebrating inside and outside like. They just won the title. You won one game. Yep. Act like you've been there before. Let's go. I, again, I, I understand getting excited, and the Knicks fan base is hungry. But then they walk out front, and they're out front chanting, we want Brooklyn. Win this series first. Right. Okay? Not even that. Take home court back. Take home court. <laughs> get, get, through, get, get, get the job done and be 2-0. You get a split, and you're like, yeah, yeah. Right. You get the split. And by the way, you're relying on ancient Derrick Rose to play 40 minutes a game to eke out a split at home against the Hawks. Like, let's relax for a second. And like, what I'm about on the fan? What about on the fan stuff? Because I've seen you tweet a lot on this and you're like, all right. Well, well, the the uh, the Trey is balding chant. Well, that's pathetic. And I saw a whole thread that you started and you were on. And and, you know, a lot of people are like, have you been there? And basically your response was like, I haven't. But is it, is it always this lame? Right. Like. First off, and I, part of it might have been a push from the NBA, but to go from game one, the F.U. Trey Young chance, 
in the kid's face the entire time, I respect that. Let's do it, all right? The entire time, do it. Go for it. But the lame Trey Young is balding chant during the game, that's a massive step back for New York. So don't tell me about MSG and the Mecca when you have lame chants. And by the way, lame chants that you handed out on pamphlets yeah. with like a backstory as to why. By the, I don't need an explanation as to well, no, why Trey Young is balding as a chant. I can look at him. I have eyes. It's clearly there, right? That's lame. But I'm with you. Like the arrogance of nowhere like this. We're the only raucous crowd in the NBA. Like, just stop, okay? You got you got to split at home. You lost home court. You're about to go to Atlanta, where, by the way, it's a full capacity crowd with a team that's better than you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you think you're okay. in for kind of a rude awakening over the like, next two games? Okay, get ready for uh, tonight, and tonight starts up in 24 minutes. Yep. Uh, you have, I'm sure, lit up Atlanta. Yeah, and all the stuff about you know, have you been to MSG? Like, it's loud. Right. They're enthusiastic. They're hungry. There are lots of basketball arenas, college and the pros, that are just as loud. Yeah. But as I say all the time with New York, New Jersey, that you know, tri-state area, they most sports fans and media people don't know anything outside of the area, so they're not really exposed to the rest of the country. So they've just kind of built it up that, you know, we're the best. Nowhere's like this. Like Philly's like that, Boston's like that. Um, there are listen, I don't I don't want to go there. Um, as I say all the time, you know, Utah and Nevada, it's good versus evil. We're good. Um, the Jazz fans are vicious sons of bitches. Uh, it's a na- it is a nasty place there, and I'm not and I'm not trying to like, hey, the Knicks crowd's the nastiest. I don't want to measure it on nastiness, but like for being into the games, there are lots of places in the NBA that are super loud. Well, but isn't this a sign? Like everything's coming back to normal, right? Everything's coming back to normal, Steve. Crowds are back at these games. I can go to a game if I'm a Knicks fan and try to spit on Trey Young. I can dump popcorn on Russell Westbrook, and I can. Maybe make sexually explicit remarks towards uh, John Morant's father's wife, his mom. I guess that would yeah, that, be. that stuff <laughs> has to stop. That's ridiculous. Behave yourselves. Well, but uh, but I would say this too. And look, it's it's not just New York, right? Oh, there's crappy fans everywhere. But like in an example where you have courtside seats and you reach over fifty cent to try to spit on Trey Young, the arrogance of the New York fan, like it gets spun to a point where I think that I can do that and get away with it in the middle of a nationally televised game. Right? That's disgusting. And then you get the comments from Utah. And by the way, like we had this conversation a couple of days ago where Kyrie's like, Boston, please talk smack all you want. Just don't be racist. And everybody's like, how dare you? And it's like, he's just asking you not to drop an end bomb right while he's there. Like, come on, what are we doing? Like, you have to object to this. But it's the same thing with Utah. Utah has now started to form its own little issues here. And now it's starting to develop a track record of its fan base. The Jazz fans have been in the center of the universe with this kind of stuff before. And it's happening again. And you better cut it out, man. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Fired up on a Friday as we uh, get into more coverage of the A's in Vegas. The A's may be leaving Oakland. A guy who's close to the scene, and I'm sure they talk about it a lot on KHCK. In Sacramento, it was Carmichael Dave. Actually, answer that right off the bat, Dave. Uh, do you guys actually talk a lot of A's baseball? We, I will say this, we talk more A's baseball than any other radio station in the country. We're in Sacramento, <laughs> but I don't know how familiar you are with the radio situation with the A's, but they don't really have a flagship. They've bounced around to a bunch of different Bay Area stations, and then they went, uh, I think, online only. We have so many A's fans out here in the 
local area codes in the 916-530. We actually have more A's fans in the greater Sacramento area than Oakland and west of Oakland. Um, so we broadcast every game that doesn't compete with the Sacramento Kings. Um, and, and we do talk, we don't talk a ton of A's baseball. Cause honestly, you know, talk a ton of baseball, as you know, football and, and the NBA are King. So how pissed off were A's fans this week when they, you know, they're reading about the reports that, uh, the president, the owner here, uh, then, you know, Dave Cable's at the, uh, Vegas Golden Knights game. He simply tweets out, you know, crowd shot video says, wow. Uh, from what I was reading, people were really fired up. And I didn't get it. You know, I, I A's fan and Raider fan is different. It's kind of funny how this all coalesces together. When the Raiders were rumored to be leaving, and obviously they went to Vegas. I'm a Niner guy. I've never really understood that fan base completely. The majority of them were like, eh, it's about, it's about the logo. It's about the silver and black. Whether they're in Vegas or whether they're in Oakland, that means we get to fly to Vegas eight times a year on Southwest and party all weekend, go to a game. I'm going to be a Raider fan for life. Whereas in Sacramento, had the Kings left to Seattle or Anaheim or Virginia Beach or wherever, uh, we would have we been heartbroken. It was different for Raider fan. A's fan is a little bit more like Kings fan. They lost it. They were pissed at Dave Cavill. And I didn't really understand it because it's like, well, what? What do you want him to do? They've been working on this for years, and the A's are certainly not without blame. But at some point, it's going to happen if you don't fix that ballpark situation. It's not a joke. It's not an empty threat. They're going to leave. So how realistic is this Howard Terminal project? I mean, we're reading $12 billion project. I'm sure there's a good amount of public money that's going to have to go into it. There's... Bad feelings between uh, the Oakland City Council and A's ownership. This just seems like they're miles apart, or or is this just you know from the outside? Maybe they are close. I don't know. There's so much posturing here, Oakland and and the city itself. Oh, well, first off, let's just be real. Oakland has problems. It's difficult for politicians in any market when you have homeless, when you have education issues, when you have poverty to say, hey, we're going to put all this money into uh, this ballpark when we have so many other issues. And obviously, um, it, Oakland is, uh, like, I don't want to drag politics into this, but I will. You're talking about a dark, 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 dark blue vicinity, and sports aren't always um, the priority there. You have a lot of moving parts politically. At the same time, $12 billion investment is overall, but the A's have committed to build the whole thing, at least the stadium and the, and the ballpark situation, with private money, which is something even in Sacramento. It had to be a public-private partnership. It was almost an even split. You don't get that. It's a great, it's a good deal for Oakland on, on spec, especially for a city with a reputation of watching things leave. That's not a good message you want to send to potential residents there. Um, but I'd say it's a coin flip. It's a real thing. The A's truly, I believe, one trillion percent want to stay in Oakland. They don't want to leave. But at some point, they've been playing in the worst ballpark. I mean, worse than the, the Trop in, in, in Tampa for years and years and years now. No amenities, no, no, none of the money makers. It, it, it's time to, you know what, or get off the pot. And I think that was part of the message the A's and Dave Cavill were sending. As they shop their wares, you just mentioned, in the Howard Terminal Project, they're willing to put up most of the money for a stadium. I wonder what their goal is going to be when they go out around the country and if they're going to look for the best market or the best money deal. I, I mean, I, I think it's a combination of both. And I think 
I don't really see another real viable option other than Vegas. I mean, you have Portland, but they're not going to worry about like, like I'm not going to lie. You know, the people here in Sacramento have talked uh, behind the scenes a little bit about making a push because from a fan point of view, that would make a ton of sense. Sacramento's growing. Obviously they're, they're, uh, it's the hottest real estate market in the country right now, and there's a lot of thirst here, and there's a lot of A's fans here, and this is truly a baseball town beyond even basketball. Um, but we're also working on an MLS situation right now, trying to get a team here, and uh, there's just not enough Fortune 500, and there's just not enough uh, money here, frankly, to make it work right now. I think it's it's Vegas or bust. Carmichael, Dave, KHTK, Sacramento, uh, right there in the area with uh, Oakland covering this a story. By the way, who is John Fisher? Just how wealthy is he? Is he going to be able to, in a new market, float a lot of this money? He's a billionaire. He's the son of the uh, the, the the people that founded the Gap. He's got he's got a ton of money. He's actually one of the richer owners uh, in baseball. But that's where we as fans a lot of times get confused. We go to Wikipedia. We search how much the uh, owner's worth, and we go, "Well, our guy's rich," but. What we seem to forget, and it's understandable, is that that's not how rich people got rich. And they don't want to go into their pocket. They don't want to go into the red. They, they want a profitable business. Right. And in a situation like uh, the A's with a lot of these franchises, let's be honest, the money for the ownership is in the equity. They're, they're watching their teams go up by hundreds of millions of dollars in some cases every year. But you don't cash out on that unless you sell. So they have to, if they can just really break even, maybe even make a tiny bit of money, uh, they're good because it's like a house. You know, you rent out your house and you make your mortgage payment, your equity's growing. Eventually, you're going to realize that for you and your family. That's how they look at the business. So it's like Mark Davis. You know, Mark Davis, I'm sure, wanted to stay in Oakland, but he looked at Vegas and what they were offering and what he could get. Now they're in the big, shiny Roomba in the desert. and They're going to be selling out every game this year. Carmichael Dave is with us. All right, you've been to Vegas a million times, especially around UFC events. You've seen the growth of the city. Can we support baseball here? Would you want to be here if you're the A's? Is this a rock-solid baseball market? Well, from a personal standpoint, and I mean no offense to anyone, uh, I can't I, – I can only <laughs> – I know I'm on Vegas radio here. <laughs> I can't stand going to Vegas in the summertime. I can't because I hate heat. I mean, it's like 100 degrees out here, and that kills me much. You know, I go down there every year for summer league still, and it's like walking behind a, uh, an exhaust pipe of a bus. <laughs> like, I can't do it. And obviously, baseball is a summer sport. I would, I would, I would imagine there, that it'd have to be a dome down there. I, I can't, I cannot imagine them playing in open air in 118 degrees with players passing out on the field. That being said, I'll, I'll throw the question back at you, and I, I know maybe you're biased in that market and you live there, but. What's a better What's a better option? Sports are pivoting, pivoting to gambling. You've got every single major sport that is hand in hand. It used to be so taboo. Now everyone is doing gambling, and I'm not talking about the side guys. I'm talking about Adam Silver. I'm talking about Roger Goodell. I'm talking about everybody involved. So, uh, including Rob Manfred. I don't know that there's a better market in the country. Vegas has always been the idea that they would be a great sports market. What were the big, what were the big hurdles we would hear out of market? We would hear, well, it's seasonal in Vegas. You know, they, they've got some residents, but everybody comes in and out and, you know, got big whales at the casino 
knows, don't care about sitting front row at a baseball or a football or a hockey game. And then the other one was, ah, the players will go there and they'll go to all the strip clubs and they'll get drunk and they'll owe giant gambling tabs. I think the Vegas, the, the, the Knights yep. have done so much in blazing that trail. The success of that team flipping hockey in the middle of the desert, which was done in Phoenix. But I don't know how it could have gone better. And now you have the Raiders there. I cannot imagine a world where within 10 years, Las Vegas does not have all major, all four major American sports. I really can't. There's too much money there. There's too many fans there. There's too much success there. I, I, I think it is the most coveted sports market in the country. Maybe Seattle with basketball. But other than that, I don't think there's another market that is more underserved than Las Vegas. Damn. You've got an emotional reason to keep the team in in Oakland, just like you do with any team. And I I would hope that fans down there, even though they'd be excited to get a baseball team, also would understand you got generational fans here that are going to have their hearts broken. I I hate the idea of moving the team. A's fans, there aren't a ton of them, but it's like Kings fans. The the fans that are there are there through thick and thin, are – some of the best fans in all of sports, but just from a business standpoint, you're never gonna you're never gonna be bigger than the Giants. Damn, that was the strongest pitch we've heard on Vegas radio for the last two weeks. We we brought in a guy from outside the market, and then Carmichael Davis completely fired up. But I think you're right. I'm not gonna lie either. You know, I, I said that personally, I can't do Vegas in summer. When I do, I try to stay inside as much as possible. But I got to tell you, and I apologize if I'm messing with sponsors here. Remember, I'm out of market. There's a place down there I found about four years ago, dude, uh, called uh, John Moles Roadkill Grill. Oh, yeah. It's a barbecue place. Yep. It's like 10 miles or 20 miles off the strip in the middle of like a residential area. Uh-huh. And I would have never thought I'd say this. I've eaten barbecue all over this country. The best barbecue I've ever eaten there was right there. So literally when I come in for summer league, I rent a car specifically so that I can drive out there. I know we have Uber now, but still, and stuff my face. That's the thing about Vegas is that the reputation is that it's all gambling and, uh, uh, you know, cocktail servers and short skirts and all that. And all of that is there, but dude, it's a metropolis. It's got a ton of fans that are underserved. And like we said earlier, I'm repeating myself now that the stigma of gambling is not only behind everyone, but that now that teams and leagues are embracing it again, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I would put every penny I had in the bank that Vegas will have all four major sports teams within 10 years. Dave, you're awesome. Carmichael Dave on KHTK in Sacramento. And when you're here for the Summer League, don't rent a car. We'll drive you out to uh, get the barbecue, okay? Well, we keep talking about this, dude. Why don't? Why can't I just call you when I, I'll be out there August 8th through the 12th? We, why don't we go stuff our faces, get some brisket, and have some fun? That's a promise. That's a date. Okay. We got a date set for August, even when it's really hot. We'll have uh, barbecue yeah. sauce all over us. You're awesome, dude. Have a great weekend. I appreciate it. Thanks, brother. Always good talking to you. That dude is an excellent host. He's the morning host on KHTK in Sacramento, Carmichael Dave. Four o'clock hour is up. Football frenzy, and we'll get into the weird cryptic tweet sent by Aaron Rodgers' friend. That's that dude that's hanging out with him in Hawaii. What did he mean by this one? Visit LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews.